0: When we last left Artie, the strongest man in the world, he was just about ready to help me with my paper. Look at the work, boy. Look at the work. Ah! Suddenly, an idea. (laughs) Butkins goes down. A brilliant idea. (laughs) Hey, Artie. Submit it for the approval of the Midnight Society. Oh joy! Let's rock! It makes me want to fight. Dear Journal, it's me, Doug. Do you have it? A... <laughs> baby's gotta do what a baby's gotta do. Oh! <laughs> that was
1: a hoop? <laughs> On your mark, get sick. Welcome to Splat Attack, where we're taking it back to the slime-filled past. I am your gactastic co-host, Brett. And
2: I am your Slimerific host, Alex. And Christmas is over, Thanksgiving's over, and now it's time to look at the new year.
1: Yes, we are on the edge of 2021, heading into the year 2022. Hard to believe, folks, because so much has happened in the past couple of years that time is just flying past us faster than we can catch up. But to celebrate this uh, this New Year's occasion, we actually uh, found an episode to uh, <laughs> we found an episode
2: the incoming.
1: Yes, we, we found an episode to commemorate the incoming year, and with us, we actually have a fellow Pete and Pete expert who is going to help us review that episode. Uh, Guess, would you like to reveal yourselves to the audience, please?
3: Uh, hello. I am the said PP Pete, Pete expert, <laughs> whatever. Uh, we'll see about that. But, uh, I'm Allie, and, um, you guys might remember me from the last episode for the Christmas special.
1: That's right. Allie, um, was representing noble, noble Nostalgia and Dungeons and Decades, which are both of her podcasts, um, that you can listen to on Spotify, Podbean uh anchor wherever else you can listen to podcasts and uh she shared with us the the peewee's playhouse uh no mr bean's play nope. the, the mr yeah, bean one mr. Bean. i was mixing the two up because they're yeah they seem very similar yeah. to me guys in suits <laughs> good choices though yes also- yeah i i enjoyed those very much um
2: and also ali is in charge of the Krebstar star industries over on instagram
1: yes
3: yeah yeah, it's a little fan art page uh, dedicated to all the weird, kooky, uh, what do you want to call it, <laughs> products of the Pete and Pete world.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I really love um, all the different designs you come up with for your merchandise, like the prosthetics uh, baseball jersey from Field of Pete and the Kreb Star viscerator guitar uh, from Hard Day's Pete. The poster of that was really cool. And um, thank you. I think you did a few like magazine advertisements, like for the King of the Road Station Wagon, Uh, Kreb Kreb of the Loom underpants from uh, Inspector 34 episode, and just a slew of others that uh, elude my mind at the moment.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do them in chronological order. I'm trying to do it like every single little one that's been mentioned. Sometimes they get collabed into one, but, um, the idea is like by the end of this, I'll have like an actual like magazine, like ad that Mm -hmm. folks could like (laughs) look over. I don't know. So it could be, uh, but we got a lot to go still. We're just in season two. So
2: be like a I comic think... book be like one of those comic book ads where it's just a whole bunch of all the little pieces <laughs> with the big yellow background yeah, yeah.
3: well, we'll have some big prices or something and yeah yeah <laughs> send the send your check to wellsville
1: <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> well whenever that actually materializes uh definitely love to get our hands on that because that sounds amazing and awesome. i i believe i saw the most recent one is like the Krebstar star bass buster or did you make one after that for a couple,
3: yeah. The Bass Buster is the most recent one, which is an iconic little uh fishing rod from on Golden Pete, which is a great little episode and fun, fun, quirky stuff. So,
1: definitely, yeah, yeah. highlights uh Don's character, Don Wrigley, very well.
3: <laughs> yes, it's a very solid Don episode,
1: definitely. And this might be a little bit of a Don episode too, but it mostly focuses on Little Pete. Oh, Little
3: Pete's the star for sure.
1: Uh, so we're gonna, we're gonna start with. Our episode review of New Year's Pete. The original air date was January 2nd, 1993, and it was part of the first five specials that later got rolled into season one for the DVD release in 2005. And for those who don't remember those, the other four were Valentine's Day Massacre, What We Did on Our Summer Vacation, Space Geeks and Johnny Unitas, and of course, Apocalypse Pete. So moving into the synopsis of the episode, we start with um, like a title card that says New Year's Eve at 11.31 p.m. Little Pete is struggling to pedal uphill on his Stingray bike. A middle-aged bystander wishes him a Happy New Year, but Little Pete is unfazed by his well wishes. He then begins a dialogue about how New Year's resolutions are a load of baloney since every adult gets excited, imagining their resolutions at the party but actually have a hard time following through once the party's over. Due to his disgust, Little Pete sets out to do one thing, change the world. And in order to do that, he sets a goal to save up for a jetpack costing $456.98. In 90s money, that is. Jump change. Jump change. <laughs> he imagines himself flying across the horizon valiantly while cutting back to him turning around at the crest of the hill then releasing the bike to let it coast downhill on its own. And then cue the intro theme song. What do you guys think about this?
0: Uh...
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, the quintessential Polaris uh, theme song, He's Sandy. <laughs> Never gets old. What do you guys think about this uh, show opener for this episode?
3: I, I like it a lot. Um, you know, you get this, a great little Pete insult like right off the bat, which is fantastic. Um, you're already setting up this sort of me against the world kind of problem that Pete usually has. It's usually him against his parents and their, their dumb ideals and this and that. So I think it sets up uh, the episode pretty darn well.
2: It's been said before, but I really want to acknowledge again that the cinematography on this show is top notch. If you look at any of the situational comedies that's on any network, they're all pretty standard but Pete and Pete was very very innovative with their cinematography uh, they had the cameras on the bike going towards the crossing guard uh, they had these crazy fisheye and extreme close ups but the beginning of this episode with Pete on the very top of the hill with the moon directly behind him and just there still and in pure frustration it's A beautiful image and that image alone is is ingrained in my mind
1: that's that's why i made it the image for this episode thumbnail (laughs) it it was just too too beautiful to ignore like i just really love the the ominous feeling of it him standing there backlit in like the darkness right in the middle of uh you know the street of wellsville agreed yeah Yeah, I I can't really add much more to what you guys said. I really dig it. I like the avant-garde kind of style um, editing uh, along with like intercuts between like adults perception of New Year's Eve and then like little Pete's perception, which somehow doesn't quite match up with theirs because, you know, everyone likes to hype themselves up in each other for like making resolutions and making a difference. But we all know how that goes, right? (laughs) And I
2: also want to acknowledge the fact that this is a Nickelodeon show that straight up used the phrase P.O.'d. Yeah.
0: Was I P.O.'d? <laughs> you decide.
3: I was just gonna say, uh, <laughs> if I was Pete's age, even the even using just P.O. would have got me in trouble, right? Yep. Yeah. Saying it.
1: So after the the quintessential theme song plays. Uh, we see Pete, Little Pete go into detail about how awesome it would be to ride a jetpack across the world, which segues into his plan to earn the money. He and Big Pete go door-to-door dressed up in yellow biohazard suits, scanning neighbors' lawns with metal detectors and planting dummy landmines to sell their product. Ellen happens to see the Peats and walks up to them, but is unaware of the buried landmine just ahead. Immediately, Big Pete dives to save her from the impending explosion, leading him to bailing out on Little Pete and one of his plans being foiled ooh what's to unpack here let's uh let's start with the little uh jetpack fantasy because we do see that quite a few times throughout the episode uh how, how do you feel about this because personally i i just love the image of seeing pete on a jetpack it doesn't even matter what the background is like even if he's flying through new york city or my backyard i just i i love it <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah i think it's great um it's it's done pretty like simple like even for how good their cinematography is it's a pretty simple thing but it like you get the point i do want to point out that this is the Krebstar star product which is kind of like yeah kind of sad you know like Krebstar wasn't in, conceived yet in the pete and pete universe so this is a riley jetpack instead
1: yep. yeah, yeah <laughs> this is the predecessor to that maybe uh riley yeah, it- went under after season one and Krebstar just bought them out or like got could all the inventory and started building from there.
3: This is totally like a 90s trope too, like I'm flipping through the magazine and there's the thing I want and I got to cut the clip out and send the money and like Right. <laughs> it's pretty yeah, great. it could
1: be anything really like X-ray <laughs> specs, what I know was another popular one or in the case of that uh Seasons Season 1 Simpsons episode Homer's night out, uh Bart sends away for a spy camera. <laughs> So in the midst of Little Pete daydreaming about his goal, he gets abruptly stopped by the crossing guard and has a brief tiff with him. As the bicycle continues its downhill descent in New Year's Eve time, Little Pete recalls how he enlisted his personal superhero, Artie, the strongest man in the world, to help him with his paper route. After rocket launching a paper into the chest of an unsuspecting neighbor in his pajamas, Little Pete suddenly gets the idea to have Artie join his father's bowling team to help him win a local tournament. So, um, just to cover some grounds before we jump into this little segment, um, what do you think about the Pete's going door-to-door uh, to earn the money for the jetpack?
3: <laughs> it's cool that we get to meet Debbie Harry, which is awesome. Yes. yes. Yeah, her iconic role. But go ahead, Alex. Sorry. Uh,
2: I absolutely love the fact that I watched this episode with my seven-year-old, and he was very confused daddy are those bombs <laughs> those are landmines and then the dog kind of like bombs debbie harry's the, the, yeah debbie harry's dog took a little sniff sniff and the, the said bomb went kaboom <laughs> and, <laughs> and of course it's it's a kid's show the dog was perfectly fine just went airborne for a little while came right <clears throat> back down safely and my son just looked at it and went how is that dog not dead
1: believe me and i thought the same thing too watching, it's the it's movie magic
2: <laughs> my my son has been watching too many james bond movies with his dad so you see bombs you death
1: no yeah. it's yeah.
2: this was just treated as a giant spring essentially and he was so confused
1: well well the interesting thing but about the was, P&P...
2: it was such a good gag
1: it, it was and the interesting thing about the P&P universe is that it has a cartoonish flair to it so not everything is yes. like One-to-one comparison with real life, thank goodness. And I think that gives it some of its charm, really. Um, that some things may happen that are very hard to imagine if they actually were to happen. Like, for example, in Apocalypse, Pete uh Artie essentially launching this massive spoon full of like butter at uh Ellen's father during the prank war.
2: During this episode with the newspaper thing, I didn't See it as the first time I watched it uh last year, because yes, last year was the first time I watched this episode. Um, I didn't see the newspaper smashing into his chest as just it smashed onto him and then mm-hmm. split. I saw it as it embedded into the guy's <laughs> chest.
1: Yep, right through it, inhaled <laughs> <there's like>, him.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and his a- soul is being evacuated from within. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: a great line that Artie yells before he launches his paper uh, which is hold on to your coffee snorty Butkins yes.
2: <laughs> hold on to your coffee snorty Butkins
1: <laughs>
2: great character Every, name
3: in itself everything
2: uh, Artie says is gold
1: <laughs> yeah that mutant's got quite an arm too man no one else uh, can uh, launch a newspaper quite like him and have it smoking
2: and, and I think somebody had the theory that Artie was a figment of Little Pete's imagination, and this kind mm-hmm. of goes against that because you have physical evidence of, <laughs> right. yeah. of something that's happened to him, and physical evidence that he does have some superpower.
1: Right. Other people are interacting with him aside from Little Pete, so it's not like a Calvin and Hobbes situation where as soon as an adult comes yep. into the the space, they're just like returning back to like a stuffed animal or a doll.
2: Now, later, obviously, we know that even more so in the series, but up to this point, that hasn't really been seen very often.
1: Yeah, yeah. The specials are just laying the groundwork for all the all the mechanizations of like the longstanding characters like Artie, you know, uh, Little Pete, Crossing Guard, Frank, you know, all of them. So uh, it's it's interesting to see. It's got like a very I don't want to say raw because that seems too rough around the edges, but. Uh, new year's pete definitely has like a work in progress kind of feel to it like it's not quite up to king of the road or or like a season two episode just yet
3: sorry i feel like all of the building blocks and structures for what the series like will become are in in episodes like this like they're not oh, like fully imagined but like you see what the you see you see what they're we're going for and like what what the path was going to be for these characters and these stories
1: Oh, for sure. Like even with uh, the crossing guard, we see him in a few season two episodes. So, you know, maybe they're testing him out to Mm -hmm. see how the character interacts with like little Pete or any other main character before bringing him back for a storyline or two. So they're at the local bowling alley right now. Artie's playing bowling for uh, Don Wrigley's team against uh, a rival team. And little Pete enlists Artie to somehow, I guess, earn some money through, through winning the championship. Um, It wasn't entirely clear to me, but that's what I can assume since little Pete's like determined to earn money, however possible in this episode.
2: Yeah. He, he knew that with Artie on his dad's team, that they would absolutely win. So he essentially gambles all of his money in favor of his dad's team winning.
1: Well, well, I wouldn't say gamble. I mean, he has a little bit of a insurance policy because that, uh, that bowling ball that Artie has has, uh, let, let's just say it has a, a special mechanism inside of it that makes it seem telekinetic that Artie can direct the ball wherever yeah. wherever he wants it to go in order to get strikes.
3: Yeah, I think ultimately Pete's just hedging his bets here, and so he's, he's going for it all, and then, you know, what you need in an episode like this, you need conflict, so <laughs> he's almost totally.
1: there, but then.
2: Then like 20, 30 years later, Mark Rober actually makes a bowling ball that will shift back and forth just by looking at it.
1: Now. Interesting. I, I know nothing <laughs> of this bowling ball, but you'll have to show yes, me. Yes,
2: de- dead serious. But yeah, Mark Rober, uh, I, I think it was motion activated or no, 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 no. It was sensor activated. He's got little weights on the inside of the bowling ball and he's got the sensors on his shoulder. So like when people would bowl, they'd lean to the left and right. Oh, go this way. (laughs) So he had it under his shirt. So when he would lean to one side, he could aim the bowling ball to go the direction he wanted.
1: Nuts. (laughs) It it, kind of, I mean, this seems like a crazy comparison, but it may, it may be one step closer to making we bowling a reality. (laughs) like with the way you move the motion sensor. (laughs) Uh, I love that game so much back in the day. Um, So yes, uh, they're essentially like one strike away from winning the championship. And Artie is thwarted by a bowling manager slash talent scout, who thinks that he's got the skills to go pro. And in that very moment, uh, Artie feels, I guess, pressure to commit to that contract and essentially throws the game for Don's team which is unfortunate but um you know it is what it is. <laughs> Artie's gotta take his skills to the next level.
2: This really should have been a crossover with the movie Kingpin.
1: Yeah yeah I was definitely feeling Kingpin vibes when I was watching this scene. Um, it's interesting because the actor who
3: plays the guy who signs to Artie the bowling scout. He's yeah, also the same guy that just got hit with the newspaper. So I did notice so yeah. that. Clearly, that's over <laughs> that, that vendetta is clearly over by the aspect. Of <laughs> already <laughs> going to make him lots of money.
1: <laughs> maybe, maybe his revenge. Yeah, I thought it was the same
3: character. It could be, yeah. Maybe with snorty or Foreshadowing. Right
1: <laughs> yeah. I think that character, uh, the actor's name is Vincent Pastore. He's he's like a pseudo-celebrity. I think he was. Oh now I'm gonna mm-hmm. look fools because I don't know where he's from. Someone look it up.
3: <laughs> the Sopranos.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say it was. Like I was Sopranos. gonna say like something Italian mafia related that's on TV. <laughs>
3: Ironically enough, though, the old lady who they booby trap her yard, um, not Debbie Harry, but like the older woman. Yeah, uh, yeah. She's also credited in the Sopranos. So it's kind of really? funny connection.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I-, I found out upon like a third rewatch of this episode that her name is Mrs. Pule. P-U-L-E. Okay. It sounds like Eunice Puehler from uh, Crisis in the Love Zone. The of, Maybe they're related. I don't know.
3: Building blocks, but, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Little Pete feels dragged down by not only his foiled efforts to earn money, but also the heavy bag of newspapers he had to deliver without his right-hand mutant. Just then, a crossing guard from before halts Little Pete from passing through a four-way intersection about, uh, for about a solid day. Both are deadlocked until Little Pete pulls a fast one on Frank defeated the crossing guard steps off the road and little Pete, feeling pity for him sits down to have a talk about why Frank takes his job so seriously so uh, essentially what happens here is that uh, you know Frank stops Pete says he can't cross and they have like a little back and forth thing that lasts for about like a day day and night and then um, you know in in like a moment of weakness uh, little Pete like pulls pulls a fast one on him and he gets around and he's like hey hey, hey, sucker (laughs) and then for some reason he just because of that one instance like that one moment uh frank feels like his career is over so he just kind of sits down on the curb to reflect on his life
3: so yeah this was uh this goes back to the point i was trying to make with the poed statement like you're surprised to hear poed i'm surprised to see somebody smoking on a children's show right which is uh, I I get like it makes sense like for the story because his New Year's resolution is he wants to quit smoking, which he, he clearly can't do. Yeah. Like none of the adults can do the things that they said they're gonna do for their New Year's resolution, which you know we can go, which we'll talk about on the moral, maybe perhaps of this, but it's it's jarring to see that on any children's TV show. Um yeah. Older or newer otherwise. Yeah.
1: It, it and, could have been just a sign of the times. I mean, are you fair the dark yeah. had uh Kelly smoking Jules? who was played by Jewel State in uh, The Tale of Watchers Woods.
0: You're going to smoke? Yes. The fire warning is up. You were just too perfect, aren't you?
1: Think back to
2: the way things were back in the 90s. Everybody was smoking. Uh, There were smoking sections in restaurants. Uh, Half the time they were out. Half the time they were right by the door when you walked in. You couldn't get yep. past. You had to go past them to get to the non-smoking
1: section. Which I is used like to have having, to hold my breath to go to certain restaurants.
2: It it was like having a peeing section in the pool. It's just not going to work. <laughs> uh, but we, but everyone everyone kids saw smoking everywhere, and but they never. I think the the big thing was they couldn't show a child with a cigarette at any point uh, which is why they were able to get it past the standards and practices at the time and also that they were putting it in a negative light because he was trying to put some initiative into not smoking and and now i mean obviously you don't see it anywhere now it's it's just you
1: everyone's a lot more health conscious now Yes.
3: I, I for sure like it though. Like that's just real life in general. Like yes. with anything you're going to have people, if you're a child, there's adults in your life that are going to smoke, whether it's a family member or somebody in your neighborhood, you know, it's just a part of life and um, whether you can avoid that or not is up to you. But yeah, it's just, that's one of the things I liked about Pete and P too is like, even though, yes, it has its wackiness and it's, you know, cartoonish kind of things. It's like very real life. Yes, the, it's, Yeah. It's, it's
1: a suitable balance. Feeling touched by Frank's story, Little Pete gets the idea to become a crossing guard himself, while Frank takes a much-needed rest. However, Little Pete capitalizes on his new vocation by charging pedestrians a hefty sum to cross the street, and one shifty person in particular <laughs> tries to find a roundabout way to get around the neighborhood, but to no avail. Do you guys remember this scene at all? Where, like, the guy in the in the black, like, long overcoat is like, Hey hey hey, let me see if I can get around him. He likes goes through neighbors' backyards and still he ends up like running into little Pete and he's just like, No, the power (laughs) of the sign is making me melt.
3: (laughs) He gave me a vibe of like you know, like a silent villain, like a silent film villain who like Like the way he walks. Snidely whipped flesh. Yeah. (laughs) And I I like that was great.
2: (laughs) And I got droopy vibes off it with the the a uh, wolf trying to run away yeah. constantly, and then everywhere he turned, boom, there was yeah. Little Pete.
1: Totally, yeah, That's that that segment. adds to the cartoonishness. So Little Pete returns to the intersection, thumbing a thick wad of bills. Mm-hmm. Frank ends up firing him on the spot for disobeying the crossing guard oath. After knocking over the mailman to get his package on December nineteenth, Little Pete fantasizes about his mission to change the world. But when he opens it, a wave of disappointment washes over him as the object of de- of desire fails to live up to his expectations. So you know, after all this buildup of like three quarters of the episode, we finally get to see the retro Riley jetpack here in the flesh. And as soon as he opens that big old cardboard box, yeah,
3: it's
1: <laughs> not what he thinks it is. <laughs>
3: Oh, there's something in that in that sequence that I just love that is one of the reasons like you know, when you can dwindle when you can when you can distill Pete and Pete down to like one thing, like there's certain things that come to mind and definitely one of them is little Pete in his room listening to a German language record that gives right. him how to bite my <laughs> bite my scab blowhole.
0: I tried to kill time by practicing German for my summit meeting in Dusseldorf. Bismann Schlaf, Blasenlach. Bismann Schloff Blasenlach. Bite my scab, blow holes.
3: It's so wonderful. it's such good writing and consistency throughout and yeah it's great.
1: <laughs> the little details like that that really flesh out the Pete and Pete universe of Wellsville yeah uh, I was going to mention real quick that I really like the the moment where the cameras like looking outside uh, little Pete's window because he like goes from his desk looking out the window to like outside without the camera moving and then we see him like literally, um charge into the mailman knocking knocking him to the ground just to get his box and yeah, that, that felt one. like a real wily coyote moment to me just total slapstick comedy and due to the framing we don't skip a beat it's oh it's yeah beautiful comedic it's timing. really
3: yeah no you, you got a nail on the head it's perfect it's like a it's such a great shot
1: definitely um but what <laughs> were you gonna like say one. about the jetpack
3: yeah like i do like once he has like Maybe he had mentioned this, but like I think this is before he's he gets the package and he's imagining again like what his jetpack ride is going to be like. And he mentions that he wants to fight evil like Abraham Lincoln.
0: As I shredded the box, I thought about how I'd soon be spitting in the face of evil everywhere, just like Abe Lincoln. Can you imagine what Honest Abe could have done with a Riley fire jetpack?
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> I think that's fan. one of his heroes. He's mentioned it in a few episodes. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what Abraham Lincoln would do with a jetpack if he had. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> um, but yeah, unfortunately, he gets that jet, uh, that leaf blower just a yep. screw up by the company, which <laughs> it's funny to me. Like, makes me wonder if the company actually has jetpacks.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah I thought ever, the same thing. Ever since I saw. um Gilligan used one on Gilligan's Island. I've always fantasized as a kid, like, oh, I can't wait to get my hands on a jetpack. And I just (laughs) want to like fly it all around. And like, who needs the bus? I can take it to school. And like, I can just go to the next day if I want to without getting a plane ticket. You know, it's, it seems like one of those quintessential children's fantasies that everyone can somehow relate to. Um, It's just something of like an object of desire you want so badly, you'll do anything for it. And yet somehow, You know, due to the limitations of technology at the time, it just isn't really a thing for public consumption. And as far as I know, it still isn't. Although I have seen like a water jetpack kind of version on a hose, uh, Super Mario Sunshine style in like around 2012 on some YouTube videos. So we're getting there. Back in 1964 on the movie Thunderball,
2: James Bond had a jetpack and it was... He, it was a real working jetpack. They found somebody who had built one and what is in the movie is a person actually using it. It, There, there was no special effects for it. I think all he was able to do was just go up and down and that's all he was (laughs) able to really accomplish.
1: I mean, I think even back then, that's still, still a marvelous feat just to see like a machine strapped to your back, propel you off the grounds. Amazing. Getting back to the synopsis, um, back in New Year's Eve time, Little Pete realizes he can still accomplish his resolution. With mere seconds left, he steals a noisemaker and books it down the hill towards Frank, where his bicycle landed right in front of him. Little Pete apologizes for dishonoring his crossing guard role and wishes Frank a happy new year while he sits on the bicycle honking the noisemaker at Little Pete. Both exchange their resolutions, and while that sweet, sweet polar earth music plays us out, Little Pete promises to think of something that will make a difference. So what do you guys think about the ending of this episode after all we've seen in terms of like it bookending to to New Year's Day happening during night and uh Pete like catching up with his bicycle.
2: I have very strong feelings for the ending of this but I'll talk about that more when I get to my review.
1: Interesting. Okay.
2: Allie, or I you? should say my my I should say my rating
3: yeah yeah i have some i think i have some strong feelings too about how this whole episode was done Um, I, I do like that there's this sort of sense of so the the whole the whole thing that's driving little pete is that he wants to change the world so he's put this massive goal on his shoulders and i do like how they've how they came to the ending of um not how they came to it, but i like the ending of pete choosing to do a small act, small act of kindness instead of mm-hmm. focusing on the big thing. Um, but I think for like uh, maybe Alex here is a similar sentiment. But I don't like how they got to that that moral. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I do like I do like Pete and Frank's um, interactions. I think they're great together, um, and you, they have like really great chemistry for for the duo that they are. Um, I like the shot still of like the uh, the bike. You know, the single shot of the bike rolling by itself is really neat. Um, There's also a sequence that I just love during that part where the bike's rolling and Pete's talking about everyone's resolutions again. And they do this close-up of Don with this little smoky and he like sucks it in, which is so funny to me, like how they get that shot. Um, But yeah, you know, um, I think it's a good moral, but maybe they could have done a little better job of getting us to that point.
1: Yeah, yeah, I pretty much... Feel the same. Um, something about them reaching the resolution come, feels a little disjointed, like somehow disproportionate to all the buildup that we've gotten to the point in whole uh Little Pete's whole uh monologue about how he's like disappointed in adults failing to live up to the expectations that they set for themselves. It kind of turns back on him with the whole jetpack thing um but i do like the interactions with him and crossing guard frank those are like the most real moments of the episode where it, it kind of has a it, it all it provides not only a conflict but also like the heart and heart heart to heart sentimentality that you're looking for in in p and p and you know may maybe the episode didn't exactly uh, stick its landing but it it, it landed nonetheless <laughs> um i do i do like the inclusion of the polaris music uh i think it's she is staggering at the end oh uh
3: it's just a really cool version with the whistling
1: yeah yeah
3: the recorded version or like
2: the album version but
1: it was it was cool yeah it makes it feel more whimsical
2: and Mm -hmm. innocent so going along with the music do and and i don't have the answer i'm genuinely asking do either of you know the song that was playing when they were doing the door-to-door Sales for the mine sweeping. Oh, I, I,
1: I looked for that. It was like some, some like weird, uh, late '80s, early '90s hard rock going on. But yeah,
2: that's that's right up my alley. I was like, I want more Indeed. of that. Yeah,
1: yeah I liked it. it. It's it's very similar to the this one track in Apocalypse Pete uh, that kind mm-hmm. of feels like Big Me by the Foo Fighters, where it goes like. You know, it's like playing in the background while um, Big P and Ellen are like having their exchange of like letters because they can't see each other. And I'm like, man, where does this music come from? Is like Polaris playing this, or is it like from a one-off indie band? Like, I I need to know. I need to listen to this in full. (laughs) Where is it? It
3: sounds sounds like it's from an indie band. I I couldn't tell you which one it is, unfortunately. Um, But it's interesting how that one gets passed. You know, to the season one DVDs, but season three is just out of the loop. But
1: yeah, yeah it's strange. It's strange. Um, but moving on, we are going to mention a few notable moments that I I happened to catch along the way of our episode review. You know, these are the things that stuck out to me. If people are just watching it for the first time, or like if you don't remember it and you haven't seen it in a while, uh, seeing little Pete fly across the world with his jetpack was definitely an iconic image for me when I first saw it. I love that visual. Uh, rd bowl nearly a perfect game with his telekinetic bowling ball i really like like the stop motion camera work that it had with like the spinning and like seeing the hamster in it that really stuck out to me i also i also thought it was interesting that little pete didn't really wear his uh flannel hat for most of the flashback sequence like he only wore it um in the night shots which was an interesting directorial choice other than that just the celebrity cameos
3: um but to go on the point of you know this is little pete's first uh narration danny timbrelli i think the uh, the episodes are better served with michael c morona as the narrator i think they're just mm-hmm. more impactful i think he's just a far superior at, at delivering those lines and those stories so um yeah. other notable nomads um uh, i loved uh, uh Artie's line of hold on to your coffee, snorty Butkins. I love the shot of Don sucking down a little smoky, hilarious to me. <laughs> uh, I like the, the German language record that little Pete's going off of. Uh, and yeah, I think those are more the, more the the notable moments on my end.
2: The only thing that wasn't really mentioned, at least that I could hear uh, that really stuck out with me was the dummy minds that were not dummies at all they were full live minds that they had planted in people's yards it just straight up a hustle but i do love the fact that uh big pete foiled the whole thing for the
1: that, i mean that's he had for his friend that's big pete's thing he's like full of raging hormones so every season there's like some yep. girl whether it's like his on again off again will they won't they relationship with ellen or if it's like a, a girl of the episode where she just comes in she's like hey pete do you want to come with me and he's like okay see you later little pete i just forget you existed for for now yeah. <laughs> and it's like oh i hate, i kind of hate when that happens because he does it so often um but at the same time it, it does help move the plot on so it is what it is um, yeah. I particularly like the landmine that blows the puppy up into the air because it also yes. blows the head off of the lawn statue clear away, <laughs> and it reminds me of the same lawn statue that they run over in Home Alone one. So I feel yeah. like it just ties in comedically perfectly there with suburban comedy. Oh yeah,
3: centering big Pete's in that movie.
1: Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
2: Where was Pete and Pete filmed? New Jersey. Jersey. New Jersey. That's right. That's right. I and.
1: Where, where was Home Alone was, filmed? You, I feel yeah. like it was like Ohio or somewhere Midwest. In Ch- I th- Chicago.
2: I think it was actually in Chicago. I think the home was in Chicago, but they, they didn't. Yeah. I don't think they filmed. No, they did film there. They filmed a school at uh, in Chicago. Okay.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I watched that little Netflix thing. They filmed mm-hmm. it like in a gym, essentially. <laughs> yes.
1: Interesting.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, I guess we can't make the tentative connection there unless little Pete... <laughs> To move away to spend time with his second family for Christmas. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's what we have for the episode. Uh, we're going to move on to our new segment. Say what?
0: Say what? Say what?
1: Say what? Say what? And essentially, what we're going to do for that is I'm going to list a couple of quotes that I picked up from the episode, and you two will have to try and get guess uh who said it all right so for our first say what let's see if you two can guess who said this quote bolin free air hmm well
3: i know that one yeah <laughs> who wants That's to RD. say Artie,
0: strongest that man in the correct. world.
1: I, I think the, the facial gestures helped a little bit too.
0: <laughs>
1: and going off of that, look at the work, boy. Look at the work. <laughs> that was also Artie, but, you know, that, that was a little too <laughs> obvious. Swing. Who said this one? Blow it out your nose hole. What'd you say? Blow it <laughs> out your, your nose, hole. nose hole.
0: Blow it out your nose hole, Frank what was that blow it out your nose hole
3: <laughs> why that's little pete
1: <laughs> yes absolutely little pete. <laughs> that is that is correct i mean those those iconic insults you know it's hard to mistake them so you are correct uh two for two
3: there's a lot of good ones in this
1: yeah and speaking of <laughs> i have another one for you <laughs> scrape me sideways Pip Squeak.
3: Oh, yeah. I know that one.
2: Uh, so, uh, Frank the crossing guard. Yep. <laughs> yep.
3: Had to, get a, had to get one in on Little Pete.
1: <laughs> yep.
2: Scrapey sideways, pipsqueak.
1: Yeah. And even said, not bad. Yeah. yeah. Threw right yeah, back at funny. him. I,
2: I love the fact that Little Pete, uh, one of the ways to get his uh, affection is yeah. just uh, pure insults.
3: I'm at his level, right? <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah. How, how about this one? Eh, I don't know. I'll have to ask my husband. And then someone says to this person, "Is he home?" And then they reply, "No, I'm not married. But as soon as I do meet that special someone, I'll be sure to ask him."
3: Um, I should know the character's name, but I don't.
2: I don't think they ever say her name.
3: I she's got to have a credit, but um, so that's Debbie Harry's character. Um, and then Big Pete's the one who who asks her. If she's married.
0: Uh, I don't know. I'll have to ask my husband. Is he home? No, I'm not married. But as soon as I do meet that certain special someone, I'll be sure to ask him.
1: That's it. Two for two. (laughs) Um, I looked on IMDb and they just credit her as neighbor. So Debbie, Harry, Mrs. Harry, you know, anything works for this as long as you know who it is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go with this one. It's a little bit lengthier one, but we'll see if you can guess it that's when i knew the truth new year's resolutions were a joke for one night you get all wiggly changing everything but in the end you're just a feeb i tried and what happened i lost everything my brother my superhero and my dream all i had left was this terrible feeling that my life was like my runaway bike a bumpy out of control ride to nowhere done <laughs> <laughs>
3: no it's great beautiful sad and strange little Pete. it's awesome. all in one quote
1: definitely yep pee.
0: That's when I knew the truth. New Year's resolutions were a joke. For one night, you get all wiggly thinking about changing everything. But in the end, you're just a feed. I tried, and what happened? I lost everything. My brother, my superhero, and my dream. All I had left was this terrible feeling that life was a lot like my runaway bike. A bumpy, out of control ride to nowhere.
1: Yep, that's it. And uh, these were a little on the easy side, so you both win. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, there were so many good quotes in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a lot of characters in this
3: one, you know, so yeah. Uh, yeah. it's hard to choose. You choose from the field.
1: Yeah, I mean, a little Pete just drives the whole episode home and there's just like a character cameo here and there, but it's just mostly him and I would say crossing guard Frank in second place for most screen time. Well, let's get to the rating of the episode. Uh, what What do you guys give your rating?
3: So for my rating, uh, this is tough. I don't want to be hard on a Pete and Pete episode because I, I do. It's my favorite series of, of all time, honestly, and of Nickelodeon. I think I'm writing this on a scale of what Pete and Pete can do. Right. And mm-hmm. for me, it's, it's a splat bridge. Um, this, as I mentioned before, throughout the episode, this has a lot of the building blocks for what Pete and Pete can become, but mm-hmm. um, it just doesn't hit the marks that you need it to. Um, yeah. And so, and I, and I think ultimately where it failed is the storyline of, they do a great job of creating the conflict. So Pete wants to change the world and they found a great resolution by, pete decided that that's too much to bear i'm gonna do one small act of kindness and that's enough i think the episode would have served better if instead of pete scheming to make money to buy a jetpack, which is a cool which is a great premise for a kid's show but i think for the story i think it would have been better if there was different attempts at pete trying to change the world and failing those that i think would have maybe drove it home the best um yeah Regardless, I love the episode. There's a ton of stuff in there, but on the Pete and Pete scale, it's nowhere near the top and it's, it's nowhere near the worst. So it's, it's, it's a splat bridge for me.
2: Okay, I tend to have a different mindset from many people, and I, I think a big part of that is from teaching kids, and I did not watch Pete and Pete when I was a kid. Uh, And the only reason I didn't watch it is because it came on at an odd time when my family was always doing things. So I, I only have a few episodes that I remember seeing as a kid and then just a few snippets here and there. I didn't really get to watch the the whole series until uh, my youngest was born and I was up for all those midnight feedings and I needed something to keep me awake. And I got back into Nickelodeon and started watching the show and of every episode there are two that are my absolute favorites uh tool and i is one of them mm-hmm. and this one is one of them hmm. i adore this episode i, I, I ad- everything about it and the reason for it is because i can totally relate with little pete as a as a child now yes i'm an adult but as a kid I completely got where he was coming from, and I could absolutely see myself wanting to do good, uh, because I loved Star Wars, I loved Indiana Jones, I loved all these awesome heroes, and I always wanted to do something like that, be this cool, awesome hero and having a jetpack, all the cool things I could do with this jetpack. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, and 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 I said this in a previous episode, I had a terrible, terrible temper as a kid, so I can see little Pete's thinking of I want to make a difference but I don't want anybody to get close either and, and I keep everybody at bay with an insult and um,
3: that's a great point point.
2: and then once he's uh, doesn't get what he wants then it's just throwing a temper tantrum I'm, I'm, I'm done I'm fed up this is total BS and because that's that's the thinking of a child another thing I really appreciate is Nickelodeon at the time was very very much Kids against adults, uh, especially with little Pete. Now, you obviously there are moments within the series where he breaks down and has, shows some support to his mom, some support to his dad, but for the most part, he's very aggro against uh, being an adult. And this episode really started to break that down a lot with Crossing Guard Frame. And once uh, it got near the end. And he was really starting to think about, I don't have this, I can't change the world today, but I can change the world for someone. And went to somebody who had no one, had this, this was his life. And even just like uh, Ali had said, a simple act of kindness. And that is something that I think is really missing in kids programs, because, uh, and, and not not to insult, not to bad mouth anything about it, but a lot of kids programs, especially now, it's f- filled to the brim of equality, which is great. It's not a bad thing, but that seems to be their main focus. Uh, and back then it was a variety of different lessons. And I really think that something that kids need to continue to be made aware of is one of the ways to change, change the world is by small acts of kindness and i see that every day with the kids that i teach and that's something that i've put into them which is one of the reasons why it hits me on that level uh, and why it's one of my absolute favorite episodes of pete and pete so for me it's splat standing
3: that's a that's a really amazing point um and it's not one that i don't i don't think about a lot is that you know pete is really guarded and he's really particular about or little pete i should say is very particular about he lets in his life and that's a that's a really great point that's excellent
1: yeah well said Alex uh quite quite a range of reviews here but for me I'm probably gonna go in the middle I mean I I've ever ever since I wrote the the notes for this episode I've been going back and forth between these two ratings um even just before restarted recording i changed it again <laughs> because i i just can't decide which one it is it's like smack dab in between the middle for me but i'm i might i might give it the benefit of the doubt um i'm going to mm-hmm. i'm going to give it a splatisfactory which is a b but a high splatisfactory because i kept going forth between uh, back and forth between this one and silent which is an a um and here's here's why i mean i feel I feel like among the the specials, it's it's a pretty solid episode. Not exactly an iconic one, but definitely an enjoyable one. It's it's one that I remember seeing when I first grew up, so I have the added bit of nostalgia uh, and the freshness to it. Um, there there were some like drab parts of it where the pacing felt a little slow to me. I didn't I, I didn't really care too much for the. The door-to-door thing with the Pete's except for like the landmine parts because maybe I was just a kid with a short attention span and like seeing explosions um uh the bowling part was interesting but it, I don't know it bugged me that Artie was kind of just shooed away and just like used as a device to like um prolong uh, little Pete's like agenda for like okay I gotta I gotta make some money so that I can buy this jetpack, and I'm just gonna like try all these different avenues and use my friend to to make it happen. So, you know, there, there's some parts of it that we're like, eh, I can do without. But overall, I really enjoy what it's trying to accomplish with its themes and how it addresses like the the adult perspective of New Year's resolutions versus like more of a, a kid perspective, even if it's not like necessarily popular. And that's like, you know, setting up these high and lofty goals and making a big fuss about them at parties and being like, yeah, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And you know everyone's just giving themselves a pat on the back but when it comes time to like doing it a couple of weeks later it's just like you don't even remember you've done the the new year's resolution or what you even came up with but um pete gave a really like earnest effort that he wanted to change the world he just didn't know how to go about doing that and that's that's something i kind of struggle with myself is like i have goals of my own when it comes to um you know just getting ahead in life making myself a better person doing good for others and it doesn't always follow through because i just don't know the best way to do it but my heart's in the right place so i can understand his frustration when a series of um attempts just don't go quite the way he imagined um there's there's plenty of great quotes throughout this episode i i definitely repeated a few of them after watching it Uh, i thought the ending even if it didn't exactly land as well as I thought it would, based on what you said, Allie. Um, I still felt it, there was like a little warm sentimentality to it, especially because it, it developed uh, little Pete's relationship with crossing guard Frank and how like they seemed like adversaries at first, but then they, they got on the same page and, you know, just had that little moment together, which was sweet. Um, I did like the camera work overall with like the whole bicycle thing. I thought that was really well done. And that's something that ended up becoming a staple of Pete and Pete where like they, they have this like first person point of view of like an object that's like flying through the air and like about to hit something. And it's just, it's that weird, wacky and wonderful that you'd expect from the show that uh, really helps it stand out. So, you know, it's got a little bit of good. It's got a little bit bad. I wish little Pete wore his flannel Trademark hat more, but it is what it is. Um, so I'm gonna give it like a high splash factory.
3: I'm sorry to be the downer of the the, no, the no. group. I know and, no, and
1: but I, uh I totally yeah. get it because James Bond movies, which are my thing,
2: I'm I'm hard on all of those. So I, and yeah. it's trying to be as objective as possible. So I totally understand where you're coming from.
3: You know what this episode reminded me a lot of? Um, this had a lot of parallels to Inspector 34. Mm. Um and so yeah. I thought Inspector 34 maybe borrowed from this episode a lot because Pete does the he does the training course for to become a crossing guard, and then you know he does the same thing on Inspector 34, and then you know the whole moral of Inspector 34 is they want to f- they want to fix the hole in the ozone and global warming and all these hard, hard challenges and everyone's trying to be perfectionist. And then you know, you get that moral of like it's you don't have to do, be that person or
1: yep. yeah. take on
3: that much. So the rewrite. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I kind of felt like that s- after watching
1: one. Definitely. Doing something small, you know, matters just as much as something big. And it it doesn't yeah. take a lot yeah. to do it, just uh the will to do it. So, you know, it is nice to see that um, overall.
3: I also had some trivia too. If you're interested in hearing some of the oh, some random trivia observations, I saw. okay, want to try it? Yes. Okay.
1: Okay, we're we're gonna do think fast um, to make the Great from Ali's perspective. Play the jingle. <laughs> <laughs> Time to think fast to make the grave.
3: Uh, what were Don and Joyce's New Year's resolutions?
1: Ooh, ooh. Um, Don's oh, resolution okay. was I'm going to lose 20 pounds and then he shakes his belly.
2: And she was wanting to uh, strengthen her hand grip. Yeah, yep. good As job. She tries to
1: open the jar of pickles. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> uh, okay. What did the boys charge for a landmine inspection? $49. 40, Was it 45. I had $49.99. Ooh,
1: ooh, ooh. So close. Is this um, oh, <laughs> some prices <is> right? <laughs> spread,
3: Did I get it?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: this one might be the harder one. Uh, why are their suits bomb proof?
2: I don't know. I don't know yeah. that one.
3: This one's really tough. This is a random one I thought of. Uh, they're a Tuxton Mylar blend.
1: Oh, interesting! So it's got some white <laughs> ball filaments in there, huh? Yeah,
3: <laughs> <laughs> as Big Pete's explaining to Ellen why he would be safe from the explosions. Um, this one's a little easier. Where does Artie live?
1: In a porter porter potty?
3: Yeah, <laughs> there's that line where Don's like, "Where's this guy live?" He's like, "A porter, John." And then they see it
1: later, <laughs> whatever.
2: When after he's uh, made it big in bowling, right? And, 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 uh, had, and had it had his uh, uh, his advertising with all that the stuff there. it's tingly <laughs>
3: <laughs> and they actually continuation they bring this back in on uh, my Farewell, little viking.
1: my little viking yeah
3: yeah pretty cool i love the continuity <laughs> i got two more what's the name of the cat that oh, was hit on frank's watch
1: tinkles oh. sergeant sprinkles <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> both great names uh mr boots ah uh, <laughs> yes, uh, yes. guess. All right. And this one's uh, might be easier, but this is one of only two narrations from Pete. Can you name the other? Crisis in the Love Zone. Yeah. Yeah. Which parallels a little bit with this one, too, because Big Pete abandons little Pete again with his love interests. And yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Big Pete, when are you going to learn? Yeah. Think with your head. <laughs> Which one? <laughs>
2: <laughs> this <one>. oh okay <laughs> uh he that was the uh one on the neck for those of you who are listening i can't see mm.
1: yeah uh geez, i'm having flashbacks to um nick takes over your school with that uh with that, that, that that plumbus thing Jeez.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like
1: I'm sorry, but somebody, what is that and why is it in the kid's software game?
2: <laughs> somebody, I don't know who it was, but somebody had commented on uh, our YouTube. And I guess they, they heard it first and then went to see the video and said that was hilarious.
1: I'm glad they did because it's, it's a it's <laughs> essentially this like tube that squeezes out slime and it's very, uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> get out of here. This is a family <laughs> show. Great. So, uh, <laughs> Thank you, Ali, so just, much.
2: It's just <laughs> toothpaste. It's all it is. It's just toothpaste. It's
1: yeah. <laughs> Green, clear toothpaste. Okay. Cavity <laughs> protection.
2: Nickelodeon had toothpaste at one point, didn't they? They had to have, right? I'm pretty sure they did. I know they had the shampoo.
1: Anyway. I mean, this is kind of an easy one, but whatever. Uh, what is the full name of the crossing guard who appears in this episode? I was just known as Frank the Crossing Guard. They say I, his I, full I, name.
3: One of those things where like, you thought of it, and then you instantly can't say it.
1: Yeah. Well, it's Frank Gulcher. Okay. It's definitely one of those trademark like Wellsville that... last names that has oh, that like,
3: absolutely like,
1: kind of sound <laughs> to it. Yeah, um, and he's also played by James Lally. I don't, I don't know what other stuff he's done, but that's his real life name. Which two celebrities appear in this episode, and what are their roles? Hint: They have the same role.
2: Well, one of them had multiple roles. Yes.
3: Well uh so are are you referring to Debbie Harry and Vincent Pastore? Those yes lungs. I am. Okay. So neighbors I guess are their their yep, roles. Yep, they're
1: both neighbors and mm-hmm. bowling alley manager. <laughs> yes. We're not bowling yes. but
2: uh, uh ta- I scout. guess we should say talent scout, but bowling talent scout
1: that Good just happens to, it. to
2: be
3: in Wellsville. <laughs> are you guys yes. aware of the um the theory that there's an extra named Hunter Thompson in this episode?
1: Yes, I I oh. heard that. It was the guy who's like Happy yeah. New Year young man. But yeah. I don't know what Hunter Thompson looks like in real life. So I didn't know if that was actually him or not. Yeah, you know, so, the famous one.
3: Yeah, someone was like, there was a theory that it was Hunter S. Thompson, but he's it's not actually Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, th- so. there's
1: no S. So can't be the real <laughs> thing. What did the Retro Riley jetpack end up being, and how much did it cost?
2: It was the leaf blower, and it was 400...
3: 456.
2: 78 cents. 95 2000 <laughs> $456.98. Ah, 98.
1: Uh, what do the Brothers Pete sell door-to-door?
3: Well, That's a landmine inspecting service.
1: Yes. What is written on the back of Artie's bowling uniform? It's
2: Banson Crackle. That Banson is correct. Spackle. Oh, yeah.
1: Banson, <laughs> Banson Crackle I'm or close. Cranston Spackle. You're Which right. is it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was um, glitching.
2: You couldn't hear what I was saying. That's yeah, that's,
1: that's what it <laughs> True. It was it was spanson crackle. That was uh, Don Wrigley's <laughs> team name. How much does Little Pete charge to let a person cross his crosswalk? Twenty dollars. That is correct. Even is written on his sign, and he like yep. pushes it in that guy's face who tries to pull a fast one on him. What character does Danny Tamborelli's real life father play in this episode?
3: Oh, that's right. He is in this one. Mm-hmm. Is he on the bowling team, the opposing bowling team?
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll give that to you. I don't know. Uh, he which was guy the it
3: would have been. blue shirt.
1: You, you can name his name for extra credit. It, it is on his shirt.
3: Oh, is it? That's great. Uh,
1: no, I don't know it. <laughs> Cliff. That I mean, that would fit him pretty well, but no. <laughs> um, it, it is the lead uh, opposing bowling ball player. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, blue team, and his name is Slim.
3: Uh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Something. Taco Palace is the name of their yep. sponsor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Taco. That's all I heard too.
3: Someone's name's Taco Palace.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Yeah. I, I find yeah. that in in little rare instances, uh, Danny Tamborelli's father likes to make a cameo. Like I think he was also like trapped under the garage door opener in King of the Road, and he also gave out candy in Halloweeny. So mm-hmm. you know it, he's like yeah, the Where's Waldo of Pete and Pete. Well, that does it for our uh, double dose of "Think Fast to Make the Grade." Uh, I don't remember who won. It doesn't really matter. We're just playing for fun, and that also wins. <laughs> so, uh, thank you, Ali and Alex, for playing. Woo! Um, and also, hey, thank and you, Allie.
2: You played too. Yeah, you yeah, played on. You played on Ali's questions. That's true.
1: That's true. Go me! <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you that that'll do it for today's review of new year's Pete uh Ali, thank you so much for joining us it was really a treat yes. to uh, talk Pete and Pete with you and also do like our first formal episode review so um yeah yeah if you guys like this format we'll do some more episodes in the future you know give us feedback at uh splatattack2021 at gmail.com Uh, You can also follow and message us on Instagram at Splat Attack Podcast and also Splat Attack Podcast on our YouTube channel, where you can catch video versions of each of our podcast episodes. Um, I also have some limited Pete and Pete stickers that I made a few months ago. If anyone will like those for sale, any quantity uh, design, there's like 12 designs of them, including uh, Crossing Guard Frank from this episode and a Little Pete one. Uh, definitely hit me up through splat attack podcast on Instagram, and we can hook you up with some sweet Pete and Pete swag. Ali, where can uh, our slamsters and gackoids find you once again?
3: Well, slamsters and gacoids, uh you can find me on Instagram if you're a Pete and Pete fan at krebstar underscore industries. Uh, if you're a nineties fan, head over to notable nostalgia. Uh, it's a nineties review podcast. I do. And then if you are happen to be a 90s fan and or a Dungeons and Dragons fan, I have a 90s D&D podcast called Dungeons and Decades, and it's a lot of fun. Um, and you can find all of those things at bigdoorprize.com. They'll have links to all the social pages, where to find us on listening platforms and the jazz. And uh, thanks again for having me, fellas. It was a blast.
1: Yes, thank yeah, you for being def- here. Definitely. Uh, we'll try and have you back for something else Pete and Pete related or... You know, if you want to talk anything else, 90s Nickelodeon or in the realm of 90s nostalgia, just let us know. We'll uh, build an episode yeah. around it.
3: Yeah, and Brett, you've been on Notable a few times. Maybe Alex and Brett could come join us next time. Or? That would be fun. I'm It'd sure cool. uh,
1: Andy and Jeff are missing us too. <laughs> <laughs> For uh, anyone who's curious about what episodes I've guest starred on Noble Nostalgia, be sure to check out their Are You Afraid of the Dark one. I believe it's episode six where we talk top five Are You Afraid of the Dark. I also did Favorite Simpsons episode, which is around episode 30, 32, somewhere around there. It was a two-parter, lots of fun. And uh, we also did a Ren and Stimpy retrospective back in August for the Nicktoons 30th anniversary. So you don't want to miss that either. That was uh, episode 40 and also a bonus. So uh, check those out on Noble Nostalgia.
2: And I have done a character study on Harvey the Rabbit and on Kaiser Soze. So if you want those, you'll have to do some deep diving.
1: <laughs> I'm sure there's one fan, fan out there that wants it. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, without further ado, um, let's, <laughs> bring the, let's let's get the hell out of the year 2021 and drain the slime tank already. <laughs>
2: Aye, aye, co-captain.
1: Happy New Year, blowholes. We're off to change
0: the world. Splat you later. (laughs) This is our mom, and this is her skull. When she was 12, she had an accident, and doctors had to put him an old plate in her head. There I was, 22 years old, fresh out of the army, broke out of my mind, looking for treasure. And then all of a sudden, the detector starts beeping like a banshee. You know, and I'm thinking, Spanish to blooms, right? <laughs> and then suddenly I'm shocked to see your mother's beautiful face blinking beneath me. And I'm thinking, what the Sam Hill? Oh, when your mother says, uh, uh, go ahead, honey, say it. uh, It's me. I have a metal plate. Can you believe that? A metal plate for some accident she had when she was a kid. Eh, yeah, we get to talking. Next thing you know, uh... Honey? Next thing you know? Oh, wedding bells are ringing. I love my husband. Oh. Mom's head sometimes picks up the police band. There's a fire on Elm Street. Maybe we can help. We're here to help people, not frighten them. I volunteer every day, and I've done everything. Possibly can to help. You okay, pumpkin? Yeah. Never been better. You're my little boy, and I make rules for you because I love you. I guess I'm just afraid you're growing up too fast. It's not like I can help it. Yeah. Me neither. Tag, you're it. <laughs> So that's how the battle over bedtime finally ended. After 11 days and nights, both Pete and Mom understood that change is inevitable. Whether you're talking about rules, records, or 10 year old boys.
2: Exceptional. she doesn't care.
1: And
0: I Reprise the theme song and roll the credits. Hard to believe, folks, but it's time to say goodbye. Nighty-night.
1: Hey, check us out next time for more adventure and another great legend of
0: the Hidden Temple. What do we do till then? Chill for a couple. We'll be back. You're on, Nick. And it was time for the superhero to move on. I declare this meeting of the Midnight Society closed. Bye-bye. Bijsman shof, blaas een lach. Bijsman schlaf, blaas lach.